1: doing differently with your life come spring 2021 well we have a few suggestions time and time again the one thing that has protected people against economic downturns is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers so go and build your toolbox at msu denver online msu denver online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes right now. Um, Harrison Wynn says that he's been incredibly impressed by the professors. He says that they're extremely, extremely responsive Um, that they really care about how their students do. And the best part is they work in the field that they're teaching in, which means that they know what information is relevant right now for students who are trying to enter the workforce. Um, So if that sounds like you, if you're somebody who's trying to um, get into the workforce or make a career change, check out MSU Denver Online. Uh, you can go to their website, Denver.com slash online, and it'll tell you about the 40-plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree. It'll also tell you about the 700-plus online and hybrid courses that you can take uh, on your path to a degree or just because you're interested in, in the content. Uh, again, that's msudenver.com slash online. All right. Welcome into the DNBR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. Um this is going to be a weird show. I think that we're all just a little bit on edge right now uh, because we're missing Andre Simone. I don't think he's missed a draft pod in like three years, and now here we are. Uh, like I said, I'm Henry Chisholm um, from DNBR Buffs. Justin Michael of DNBR Rams is here, and uh, so is Jake Schwanitz, who's our draft guy uh, here at DNBR. Um, but still, no Dre. Uh, Do you guys think we're gonna make it through this show without Dre? It's
2: gonna be tough. I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) seriously. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's gonna be like off the rails or like incredibly on the rails. I feel like we just kind of have to talk and see what happens.
2: I mean, we're here now. Might as well just go full steam ahead. I mean, the inmates might be running the asylum right now, but we're gonna try our best.
0: (laughs) We are unaccompanied minors, and it's dangerous. (laughs) but we're just going to keep rolling. It's what you got to do. I mean, what are you going to do? Freak out? No, we're just going to party because the parents aren't home. Well, I might freak out
1: just a little bit. Um, but we have too much stuff to talk about to waste time um, or any more time talking about Dre. Uh, we got to go through the college football playoff rankings. The first edition of those were released last night. Um we have to go through a mock draft because it's Thanksgiving and we look for any excuse possible to have a mock draft. And uh, we're thankful that we found one. Uh, and then, of course, we have to talk through all of the games from last week, uh, what we learned there, and what we expect to see as we get into week 13 of college football, 14?
2: Week 13.
1: 13. So lucky
0: I'm so to- thrown off now because... The Mountain West, the Pac-12, all the other leagues all started at different points. So it's like week 13 for the country, but week six for the Mountain West, but week four or five for
1: the Pac-12, and it, it's yep. I'm so lost. Yep. It's a mess. And I think we're all pretty lost. Um, and I think that maybe the college football playoff committee is lost as well. Um, you know what? Let's just start with your your biggest takeaway from – these rankings?
2: Um, I'll start. I guess I'm not really surprised in a sense. Um, I think the committee has shown over the past few years, they value these teams that have conference championship games. Um, They value that above uh, good independence. Most part besides Notre Dame Um, and the PAC 12, again, just getting completely disrespected in the rankings. I only see Oregon and USC in here. Uh, They got Oregon way lower than they are in the AP poll. Uh, six spots lower, um, and then also the SEC bias. What what are we doing with Georgia here, uh, Justin? What do you think?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because this isn't exactly a banner year for the SEC, and you end up with you get one, two, three, four teams in the top nine. Like, I don't know. That's that just seems like a little bit of a stretch. I will say I'm not shocked that BYU ended up at 14. You know their schedule hasn't exactly been stellar. Even that win over Boise State, it was against a you know fourth string quarterback. They're missing their starting running back as well, bunch of COVID issues. But are they worse than Iowa State? I just I know the resume isn't there, but the from an eye test perspective, I think BYU would you know would beat a lot of these teams ahead of them, including you know Northwestern. I think they'd hang against Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati's the best G five team that we've seen. I don't know. I just, like you said, it, it was all very predictable. It was, it was a comfortable feel, but it's not that exciting.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I am disappointed to see BYU at 14. Um, I've really, really, really enjoyed watching that team. And, and I think that they, they have a claim to best offense in the country. You know, you don't really know about those receivers going up against real SEC competition. You know, what would happen you know, because they do make a lot of, like, very contested physical catches where they're, like, boxing guys out. But they, they've done everything that they can do um, except for maybe accepting that game against Washington. But to see them at 14 is just a little bit frustrating. I was hoping at least they'd be, like, top 10. Um, I guess what this means, though, is that they need to find a way to play Cincinnati. Uh, and, and that's something that everybody's wanted for a month at least now. Um, Cincinnati there at seven doesn't look like they'll make it into the college football playoff unless they get one more big win BYU at 14, definitely not getting in. And even if they beat Cincinnati, who knows where they'd be, but they need to make some sort of move and BYU, they have open weeks for the rest of the season. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested in how they use those. Um, my other big takeaway though, is Oregon at 15, not good for the PAC 12 Really not good for the Pac-12. It's going to be a weird year, I think, in terms of movement, because typically when everybody's on the same schedule, if you're number 15 at this point in the season, d- unless you have some real big matchups coming, you're pretty much stuck outside the, the college football playoff. But, you know, realistically, can you put a 3-0 and Oregon in front of a 9-0 and BYU? I... I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, they said no. And so I'm holding out some hope that as we progress and as Oregon just keeps winning a couple more games, that'll be enough to move them up in front of teams that also won their games that week, which is something that you typically don't see. Um, But it's a weird year. It's not looking good for the Pac-12. Do we want the Pac-12 in the playoff? I mean, I know
0: you're a Pac-12 guy, but just... Like, being honest do do we think Oregon really
1: can contend with any of those teams in the top five because I don't at at this point no at this point I mean Mm -hmm. as much fun as they've been and like they have three really good running backs and they have like a really fun young quarterback and and a good defense too like it but when you look at the defense it's it's not like it's Georgia or or Ohio state or like any of those, you look at the offense and you say, well, uh, the offense I'm a little bit more interested in because you do look at CJ Verdell and say, okay, not better than Najee Harris. He'd be their best running back on Notre Dame. Uh, you could Clemson. You're like, no, of course they have ETN. That's better. Ohio state. They're starting to get something more out of some good running backs, but that's still not as good as CJ Verdell. So you could go through and like find little pieces where you could say they fit in. Um, but overall, I, I think this is a down year for Oregon. And so I-, I think it would have to be USC running the table and beating Oregon in the PAC 12 title game to have a shot. Um, And the really the really disappointing thing is that I think Colorado has as good a chance as anything um, or as anyone to to win this conference. That's not getting him in the college football playoff, though. You know, if if Oregon at 15 uh, is at 15 with this record, Colorado, if it had done the same thing, would be it. I mean, it wouldn't be ranked.
2: Yeah, I mean, all good points. And the thing that the Pac-12 does have going for it is that most of these teams have, I mean, that are at least scheduled right now, three games left. So as long as those things hold and, uh, you know, teams kind of start dropping off, I mean, BYU's only got one game left scheduled, and that's on like December 12th. Um, So there's plenty of time for Oregon. I mean, it's one spot right now, but I'm sure – if the committee really does value these power five teams more than these independents and G five teams, we'll see Oregon shoot up above BYU. I think that's probably our big takeaway from this week is that they already have BYU at 14. They're not showing respect. I think we can count on the committee for the rest of the year, not really showing respect to at least BYU as an independent. And frankly, it's just because of their schedule, um, which, I mean, we can get into the Washington thing if we want, but still it, it really hurts BYU uh, just going back to March, having all these conferences cancel out of conference schedule, um, you know, is kind of left scrambling. And to their credit, I think they've done a good job. I mean, they have 10 games here, and they only had one game postponed the entire time, which is pretty impressive in this era of college football. Um, so I think the Pac-12 still has an outside shot. It's just the fact that there's four SEC teams in front of them, is that's a big mountain to climb. Yeah.
0: I'd rather see BYU somehow – It's not going to happen, you know, for all the reasons that we just talked about. But I'd rather see that BYU offense in, you know, a big time bowl game or the playoff than I'd rather see a Pac 12 team at this point. That could change. I think part of the problem with the Pac 12 right now is nobody really knows how good it is. They've had so many cancellations. The games they have had have been really wonky. You know, nobody's playing any defense at all, except CU, to be honest. They're probably the best defense in the. In the conference right now and i don't know i just i think the public perception is really working against the pac-12 it's going to work against byu i'll be curious to see if it works against cincinnati at all given that they do have a conference championship game if they run the table
1: yeah the pac-12 really needs non-conference games like like with the with the way that people think about them whether it's right or wrong and i think that it's not like totally wrong to say that the PAC 12 is, is weak, but I don't think that there's as big of a gap as the national media seems to portray. Um, But just having a couple of games against any of the other conferences would be nice just to say like, okay, Oregon state. No, I mean, Oregon state's not being anybody Washington state. They went out and played like whatever big 10 middle of the pack team, played a close game, and then you just have something to say, like, okay, maybe they are for real. But when it's totally insulated, like like pretty much every conference is totally insulated, per- perspective er, matters, and people don't look at the Pac-12 in a positive light right now. That Indiana-Oregon Rose Bowl is going to be lit, though. <laughs> I think Colorado might. Dude, like you said, Colorado's playing defense. It was so much fun this week. Um, watching UCLA play Oregon and watching that UCLA defense or offense, just like rip up Oregon's defense. And then you think back to CU a couple weeks ago when they just didn't let UCLA do anything like Demetric Felton, that little running back who's like half slot receiver, half return guy, half rem- like like weird modern football player. He does nothing against Colorado and then just runs rampant against Oregon's defense. And you're like, Oh wait, Colorado is like, like it's not a a total like illusion right here. They have something that is working for them.
2: Definitely. And a big opportunity this weekend against USC, Uh, just from watching USC over the past few weeks, they do have some players. I think they're a decent team that can score but I do worry about them defensively and I think Colorado is going to have a chance to put up some points and potentially steal this game for sure.
1: Yeah. And and they can put up points and that's what's so much fun, you know. Without with the quarterback situation, nobody knew what to expect. And now if they uh if if they put up goose eggs in the next two games, they'd still be averaging more points per conference game than they did for all of last season which is just not, not at all what you expect after losing a senior quarterback and replacing him with a safety. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. This is the big one for Colorado. If Colorado beats USC, um, they could go one in one against Arizona and Utah and be the be in the Pac-12 title game.
0: And who knows if Utah is even going to play again?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and also, who knows if the Colorado-USC game is going to go on because a USC player tested positive yesterday. So, like two days ago, something like that it doesn't really matter.
2: It's just <sighs> ridiculous, man. It is what a day and age to live in, right?
1: Hey, this might be a dumb thing to say, but hadn't Nick Saban already gotten COVID?
2: Uh, I think. Well, I think it was reported he got it, and then he didn't have it actually. So. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I, I woke up to Nick Saban test positive for COVID, and I was like,
2: Oh, did wait? Did he really this time for sure again?
1: Well. I mean, I, I would have said yes, he did until you just told me that wow. last time he did, he actually Well, did. who's reporting it? Um, ESPN in real big letters right here on the front page. breaking. Oh, wow. It's COVID. Yeah.
2: Well, there's some uh, breaking news for me on the pod. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, all right. Um, They lose the Iron Bowl. I'm going to punch a hole in the wall. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. And we're moving on to probably the most fun thing that you can do on a draft podcast. And that is a mock draft. Uh, I'm really excited. But before we do that, uh, we should give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors. Including, it turns out, ourselves. Um, Let me just click on this little link right here. Hey, Henry, are you excited for the holidays? Oh, I'm so excited for the holidays. All
0: I know is I'm a terrible holiday gift shopper and DNVR, they're going to help me out this year with a big time sale that we've got coming up.
1: Oh, really? What what, what sort of sale? And also, don't they already help you out by employing you?
0: Well, I don't know. Didn't you see that whole interaction on Twitter yesterday?
1: I did. Yeah. (laughs) You wind up in a lot
0: of those. It seems yeah, like... I'm a, like I'm a very totally, controversial guy, I guess. I guess so. Which is uh, odd because anybody that knows me, I'm a very mellow person. But anyways, <laughs> you can get up to 80% off of DNVR gear for our Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. I'm pretty sure when you do, you can also get hooked up with some sweet deals. Henry, tell the people all about that stuff.
1: There are so many sweet deals. Um, like, if you spend $75 before taxes, will also give you a $15 gift card that you can apply starting Tuesday, December 1st, in the DMVR Locker. Um, Also, another great deal, when you sign up for an annual membership, which costs $59.99, you get a $60 gift card to the DMVR Locker. That's that's worth more than what you spent on the membership by a full penny. Um, The gift card will also be applied starting next Tuesday, December 1st to any purchase. Um, it's really a great time to support DMVR uh, because we are locked down. In case you hadn't heard, the pandemic is still still raging. Um, and we've had to close the DMVR bar. We give you a killer deal on the merch and you're helping support your favorite sports media company. So head over to the DMVR locker, actually dmvrlocker.com on Friday and enjoy a weekend of killer deals. Mark your calendars. Um, also, uh, if you're looking for more local businesses to support, there's another awesome one, uh, because I'm sure families are looking for some fun outdoor activities during the shutdown here in Denver. Well, look no further. Breck has set up an awesome skating rink outside of the farmhouse. It's only $3 to skate with your own skates or $6 for skate rental. They also have an awesome tubing hill that is currently free parents You can enjoy beers and delicious food in a cozy outdoor setup and let the kids enjoy some winter wonderland fun. Um, And if you aren't interested in going outside and ice skating, first of all, you're anti-fun. Second of all, uh, you can just pick up some beers for yourself and drink them wherever you want. Uh, Whether you want the Strawberry Sky, I guess now that it's cold out, it's probably more like Vanilla Porter Jr. weather um hot peak IPA is IPA a winter drink what else do people drink in the winter
0: Stouts loggers stouts oh you guys could get some Christmas Stout ale
1: loggers oh the Christmas ale wow okay so that one <laughs> that one I should have come up with um also like I, there's the holiday ale too which is a separate thing that I haven't seen yet but I think that should be coming soon um so many good beers and if you're in Colorado you can probably find them at like the gas station or the liquor store or uh, the grocery store. Uh but if there's one in particular you want to try, get on Breckenridge Brewery's website and go to the beer locator. I'll tell you exactly where you can pick up whatever beer you want to try. Or if you're out of state, you can still probably find them wherever you are because Breckenridge is in thirty six different states. Again, get on that beer locator, it'll tell you where to go to try your favorite Breckenridge beers. Okay. Job Mark, done, uh, Henry.
2: Thank Job you. done.
1: I mean, it wasn't perfect because uh, there was that first part where I couldn't find the words. Luckily, landing,
0: teamwork man. makes the dream work, baby. And that's all we had. We stalled a little bit. It's fine.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, speaking of dreams, the Jets have the number one overall pick as of right now, and that means they're probably going to land their dream guy, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, can we just throw that one in there? Does anybody have like a crazy conspiracy theory?
2: As much as I don't want it to happen, as The way things look, it's probably bound to happen. Trevor Lawrence will unfortunately find himself playing in New York for the Jets.
0: That is, of course, unless, you know, Clemson finally loses to Bama in the playoff and he tries to come back because he doesn't want to play for the Jets and he uses, you know, the the redemption as the as the selling point. But we'd all know. We'd all know he's he's be avoiding New York. But True. Yeah. It seems like a foregone conclusion that T. Lawrence, starting quarterback in, in New York City.
1: Diego Maradona died.
2: Yes, I saw that.
1: Oh, that sucks. No. Well, pick number two. Um, the-, <laughs> the I mean, it's, it's a football podcast. Like, it's sad, and I feel like we need to acknowledge the sadness. And
0: It was just the timing of it. The delivery killed <laughs> me.
1: <laughs>
2: it was incredible. Well, Rest in hey. peace.
0: Anyways, with the second pick.
1: <laughs> I mean, the clock keeps ticking. That's how the draft works. Um. Well, now I feel bad. Well, Jacksonville at number two. So they, they have some options. You know, maybe they try to get cute here by not taking Justin Fields. But also they need a quarterback, and there's a very clear number two. Any thoughts?
2: I mean, I uh... – I guess so. I just don't know what this team is going to be doing here in a bit. I don't expect uh, Doug Marone and I think Caldwell's the GM. I don't expect the current regime to be there, uh, whoever they are. So I could definitely see someone else coming in and just saying, look, the guy's staring us in the face. We're just going to take Justin Fields and just build around this guy. It it would make for an interesting situation with Minshew though. Uh, I don't know how much of a trade market he would demand, but he – Probably would not be okay staying as a backup to the number two overall pick.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Minshew seems like a guy who might get it. You think so? I don't. I mean, every you know every quarterback is competitive, and I get that. But I think we've kind of seen what Gardner Minshew's ceiling is. I don't know if if he's smart, cash those backup checks for the next decade, but. It is what it is. We'll see. I think, I think you guys are right though. Justin Fields, number two.
1: Yep. Um, The Bengals pick number three, you know, I think maybe before this week you could have gotten cute here. Um, But at this point, it's pretty obvious that they need to protect Joe Burrow, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, we had this conversation last time we did a mock draft, you know, you've got these tackles staring you in the face, but you've also got a lot of defensive talent. Uh, That time we went with the defensive talent after You know, time advances and we see what happens on the field. It's apparent that we need to protect our guy, Joey B.
0: Do you know how good and how cool you have to be to be an SEC quarterback that beats Alabama and have me still root for you to have success? That is Joe Burrow. And it sucks that he ended up in Cincinnati. It was everybody's worst nightmare come true. You know, as soon as he got drafted there, it's a trash organization with a trash history. Now they potentially. You know, risked one of the the best quarterbacks that's come out in the last couple of years, at least, and I don't, I'm I'm annoyed by it. If they don't take a tackle here, Joe should just refuse to play. Yeah, yeah, with you.
1: Seriously, uh, so Penny Sewell off the board, number three. Ooh, pause here real quick. Have you guys watched Noah Sewell play yet for Oregon? Yes, he is a monster. He's a beast. I think I kind of, you know, I was I was with uh, uh Ryan. And a couple of others for the, for uh, college football on Saturday. And I was driving everybody crazy, just like pointing at Noah Sewell and saying like, look at this man. Like, look at the way in that black Jersey, he wears that number one. Cause he's like 260 pounds and just like a tank, but he moves so well. he He's incredible. And then right after that, he punches out the ball and forces the fumble, and he's just all over the place. And that is an incredible football player.
2: Yeah, the genes run strong in that family. Also, I don't know if he's true freshman or redshirt, but just the fact that he's a freshman doing this too is very impressive. Uh, I true. didn't I didn't even know Penny Sewell had a younger brother, let alone at Oregon. So I was very surprised a few weeks ago when I saw this guy making plays, you know, penetrating the backfield, making tackles for losses. It was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah he's so good and the, the crazy thing is so he's a true freshman he was the number two inside linebacker in the country the number one inside linebacker in the country is justin flow who's also on oregon and so it's just like it is it is a lot of fun to watch justin Flo hasn't been on the field as much though
2: yeah penny or uh, noah sewell i guess is he's legit though man he's a guy to watch out for for the next few years plus some he's going to be a, a hot name
1: he is um pick four cowboys uh what do you guys think here that's a team with some needs
2: i mean it's got to be defense um we've got plenty of talent at edge and corner left um i don't think you'd really go wrong either way for them i mean they really need help basically at all positions on the defense um i mean we got greg russo and quiddy pay here i don't think Quitty Pay is a top five player, even though I do like him a lot. But taking one of these corners here at this selection too just doesn't necessarily feel right to me. What are you guys saying?
1: It... Go ahead, Justin.
0: I was I was actually going to say the opposite just because I the, I believe in the corners. And so, you know, with a, with a guy like Patrick Sertan available there, you get immediate help. They really need it in that secondary. I mean, just watching him get torched by Kirk Cousins, it was like, Good lord, man, but I don't know. It's just it's tough because it's at four. It feels like maybe a little bit of a stretch there, but I just believe in you know adding a guy that you know is going to be able to contribute. When you have a top five pick, you don't want to gamble, especially when you're in a position like Dallas. They have a lot of talent elsewhere. They just need to fill some of these holes, and they're probably the best team in that division.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I do think that Sertan's probably the right pick, but. I would really like to give them some sort of like defensive lineman edge rusher type of guy, just because that is so much closer to where the action is. And they need so much help that saying like, okay, go defend this sideline. Doesn't seem as important to me as get up in these trenches, don't let them run it past you go get the core back. But, but I agree, like in terms of just like the talent and and who I trust, I think Sertan is probably the, the guy who's least likely to bust.
0: History says they go edge if we're going off what NFL teams have done in the last, you know, five, 10 years. So it'll be interesting to see how they play it, but you never know, you know what Jerry's cooking. Maybe they trade back and try and, you know, acquire two first round picks, try and, you know, fill two holes there it'll be they're they're a team i'm really intrigued by because like i said the talent is there especially you know assuming if you have dak who's a guy that i've never been super sold on but it's hard to argue against at this point so you have your quarterback you have the receivers you still have some holes on that o-line too though
2: yeah it probably hurts to see penny so we'll go one pick before uh dallas in this situation um just the way The whole draft order and everything shakes out right here, though. If this were to happen, I think this would be a prime trade down candidate and someone would come up and pick uh, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones in this spot, Um, especially since Dallas doesn't need the quarterback. I think you can really take advantage of teams, uh, you know, like Washington, uh, like potentially the Giants or maybe the Falcons that are looking at a guy here real soon. Um, so that would be where I would lean here, I guess for the sake of making a pick though, I think Sertain would probably be the best fit in this situation. I just don't really believe in any of these edge guys in this spot.
1: All right, let's do it. Um, now on to pick number five, Washington. Um, do they go quarterback here?
2: I think so. I think
0: they do. I I just don't think they're sold on Haskins.
1: Yeah. Yeah um should we have our uh zach wilson mac jones debate then
2: let's go for it i think i mean i would pick zach wilson here i'm a big zach wilson fan i do think though that mac jones is more of i guess the type for the organization um you know they drafted Dwayne haskins you know as a guy that came from a big program who won a lot um mac jones pretty similar resume he has started bit more games. Well, I don't know now with the COVID situation if it actually totals out to more games, but he did start some last year in relief of Tua, so this is a semi-experienced player. Um, I could definitely see Washington making the shocking selection and taking Mac Jones over Zach Wilson here, though, for sure. Where are we on Trey Lance? Uh, I'm, I'm Not here. I, no. I mean, just be the simple fact that he had that one game and it didn't really live up to the hype of 2019, you know? I mean, which is a tough bar to clear. But yeah. still, the fact that he just – that didn't look like a top-five quarterback to me. Just flat out. And I – maybe we see some team at the back end of the first take the risk, but I don't know at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not even sure that I think Trey Lance is like a top-five quarterback in this class, top six or seven at this point to be – I agree. I just – I don't know. The, the athleticism is there and I hate, you know, I feel like that's such an easy cop out to just, you know, he's an athlete, but he's not, you know, a quarterback. I just haven't really seen it for him where I would, you know, be comfortable giving him the keys to my franchise, especially with the first round pick. Maybe, you know, if you're a team with an established quarterback, taking a flyer on him in the second round, I'd feel a lot better there. But a first round pick on that guy with what we've seen in the last year and a half, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's a, uh, it, it, it's tough. And I think that there's going to be a lot of movement still with these quarterbacks. I do think that there's like a very clear top six though, with uh, the two have been drafted, Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, uh, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. But I could totally see Kyle Trask. If things go well for Florida, making a run up into that quarterback three conversation, um, it, it, it's, it's going to be tight. And I do think that at the end of the day, Trey Lance is going to be the last in the group.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, just all these guys playing games, they have just have more opportunities and, you know, with Mac Jones balling out and Kyle Trask balling out, I mean, they're headed on a collision course for the SEC championship game at this point. So, I mean, that game's probably going to weigh hugely in the eyes of scouts and GMs across the league. Uh, whereas Trey Lance simply doesn't get the opportunity to, impressed that much so um yeah i mean talented player i just he's lost the first round luster i think for me
1: same um so who do we give to washington here i think we're going byu aren't we i think so yeah let's do it all right number six now the chargers who do have a quarterback now um some interesting options you know, Jamar Chase is a guy who I still really like, and the injury troubles are the wild card here. But with their receiver situation, you could see them wanting a third guy uh, for Justin Herbert. Um, with Micah Parsons on the board, they got Kenneth Murray last year, but you could really solidify that defense. Um, or maybe they they want another edge rusher, Uh I don't know. I I guess cornerback with Caleb Farley is very much in the conversation as well now that they've traded King.
2: Yep, definitely. I was going to say cornerback would be interesting. I just Again, I think this is a bit too high, especially for Farley, someone who hasn't played this year. Maybe not in this spot. I am intrigued, Henry, by what you said, though. Taking a wide receiver here with your young, exciting quarterback, just keep building him up and – you know, we touted last year's wide receiver class as the best ever, and this one's shaping up to be on par, if not better. I think that you can't go wrong here if you're the Chargers taking your pick of whoever you think is the best receiver. Any are you taking Pitts here? That would be interesting too. Um, man. Six the, is
0: high for a tight end, man. Very
2: high, but you got the gears turning. Pitts is he's something else though.
0: Well, I mean, the Chargers did have Antonio Gates for close to two decades. He, you know, he's the staple oh. of your franchise, Keenan Allen. He is not, he's a great receiver, phenomenal receiver, except for when he went up against Chris Harris in a Broncos uniform. But he, you know, he, he can't stay healthy. The guy can't stay healthy. I don't, Kyle Pitts, I, I kind of like it there. I mean, just with how many great wide receivers there are, you could still come back and get one in the second or third if you really wanted to add somebody. Kyle Pitts isn't going to be there in the second or third though.
2: And Hunter Henry is just, I mean, you want to talk about someone that struggled with injuries, Hunter Henry. He's finally been on the field enough this year. I think they just re-signed him last year though, right? Um, So that would be interesting to look into that contract situation because I think that might play into the decision here, especially if Pitts is staring you in the face because I do like the idea of adding him to this offense. Uh, It would make you extremely versatile and I mean Justin Herbert's already shown that he's got the big arm and playmaking ability. You add a guy another athlete like Pitts. Man, I mean it's just as good as taking a wide receiver. I think I really like that pick here. Let's
1: do it. I think that's it. let's do mock. it. It's a Thanksgiving mock. Let's have some fun. Exactly. That was certainly a fun pick. Uh Giants now at number 7. Boy could they use really any player on the board here. Yeah, take your pick. <laughs> I mean, uh, just to throw some names out there, like Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, Gregory Russo, Quiddy Pay, Kild Farley, Jalen Waddle. I, I mean, there's so many guys that they could go. Even after.
2: the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like, like what? What are they thinking on Daniel Jones?
2: Yeah, uh, very interesting pick, especially considering we don't really. I mean, I would say Gettleman's pretty much on the hot seat at this point. I don't know if he does make it this far. So it could be an even more interesting pick uh, once April rolls around. We put Parsons, I think we put Parsons with the Giants a few times already at this point. So uh, I'll save that one. I could see them being the first team to take an edge rusher though, just to finally inject some pass rush into that defense.
1: Who do you think fits better with them? Is it Russo or Pay?
2: Oh man. Um, I pro- I think, I mean, pay is a bit more versatile, wouldn't you say? I mean, he is a bit smaller. He's probably not as much the, uh, I guess, Gettleman type, you know, the big body, just kind of athletic freak. Although Pay is no slouch as an athlete himself, man, I, I guess I'd take Pay. I-, I don't know if that's the Michigan Homer talking to me though.
1: I, I really like him. Now, like, College game day did like a segment with him a few weeks ago mm-hmm. of, and his whole story, first of all, it's like incredibly like sad for him coming over as like a refugee and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like this is kind of the, the dark side almost of being on this side of football, like figuring out who you gamble on and who you don't coming from his background. He has the type of attitude that, you know, you want, like he, he knows he needs to succeed and that kind of stuff. And, and if if I were a GM, I would feel very comfortable um, adding Quiddy pay and expecting big things. From him.
2: Yeah, definitely. He's the type of person that, you know, would he's going to fight for his dreams and he probably going to work his ass off if you draft him to play football for you. So yeah, like the pick
1: hey at seven let's do it cool um next up is the dolphins another i mean with jamar chase sitting right here too uh, uh i mean there there are so many options still like even though they are six and four but how much did do we actually that's a good conversation what are the dolphins right now are the dolphins really a, a playoff caliber team right now
2: I don't know. I don't want to be too reactionary to last week. Um, Even though I did enjoy watching the Broncos beat them up, I do think that top to bottom, the Dolphins might be a bit more talented and a bit better coached. Um, So I do, I mean, wide receiver here, this is the glaring need, right? Um, If you add a wide receiver to this current team, how much better are they, I guess, is the question. Um, And you know, Tua, he took a step back last week against the Broncos. You know, he faced uh, Vic Fangio, who he wasn't messing around, man. He's going to send the house at you and, you know, make make you earn a victory as a quarterback. Um, so, I mean, wide receivers are starting to face. Do you go tackle here? I don't really know. I mean, you just did, took Austin Jackson. So, I don't know. It's an interesting pick. I, I, I don't want to just settle for giving them a wide receiver every time we do this. So.
1: That's fair. Here's Here's a dark horse. What about Travis Etienne? Mm. Probably too simple. early.
2: Yeah, but damn, you make a you make an interesting case just by uh, placing the player with the team because I think that would really help them out. I mean, young quarterback's best friend is a good running game. You get a dynamic back to help him out. I mean, I think it'd only do this team good taking... I, I mean, this high though, Etienne, uh eh.
1: Yeah, especially when they have the 17th pick. Like, it's, yeah. they're probably better off just waiting until right there. And so let's let's say that is the plan. Let's say the Dolphins are thinking, okay, we think ETN's going to be there at 17. We think we're going to add him. Does, does that make you think, like, maybe don't add more weapons on offense? Don't take a receiver here?
0: You guys got to remember, Brian Flores comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. And Bill Belichick has maybe taken, like, two offensive players in the first round in the last 20 years. I mean, it's just... It's not what he does. He builds defense, he finds value on offense, and he builds around the quarterback. You know, I'm not saying Flores is going to do it exactly like Belichick has done it. Basically, every coach that's tried to do it exactly like Belichick has done it has failed. Just look at, you know, Patricia in Detroit, who, I mean, that's just a train wreck. Yeah. I don't, I Micah Parsons, he's still sitting there. At what point do you just take him because he's the best player on the board?
2: Just, I I think think that's a... Sorry, Henry. I think that's a great case, though, just because Dolphins have so many picks in the top 50, 75 this year. I think it's like five or six in that range. So just letting the board kind of come to you in this situation, I think is the right pick. Yeah,
1: I think so, too. I think that probably is Parsons, especially because, I mean, they will get a receiver because they need a receiver. And there still hasn't been one off the board. You know, if, if you're sitting here in a situation where, you know, maybe Jamar Chase is gone to uh, who knows where, and, and Jalen Waddle's off the board, then maybe you start to panic. And that probably isn't the right strategy, but with so many receivers still left here, it probably would be smart just to, to take the best player available who also happens to fill a need. Give him Parsons. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Love it.
1: All right. Uh, number nine now, the Falcons. Um, Ooh. I mean, did, did we give them Mac Jones last time?
0: I think I campaigned for it and won it over in the end, but they've got a lot of needs too. So it's, you know, one of those situations, do you try and improve that defense? How sure are you that Matt Ryan's got, you know, four to five more years in him? Quarterbacks are playing a long time now. And I mean, he plays in a dome They, you know, it's not like he's, he hasn't had a ton of injury problems in his, in his career. Yeah, I don't know though. With with some of these quarterbacks available, it's it's hard to pass on a guy like Mac Jones just
1: sitting there. It is, and you know, especially because Matt Ryan will be turning thirty six like three weeks after this draft.
2: I don't know. Yeah, uh, quarterbacks an interesting case here just for those facts. I don't think, I think Matt Ryan's played well enough still to this point that you can probably get by with another year without. Directly addressing the quarterback. Maybe you want to upgrade backup quarterback if you're even a bit concerned, but I think it's still a bit too early. Also, we're going to have a new head coach coming in here, so, or potentially a new head coach might be uh, Raheem Morris at this point. Who knows? Yeah. So, quarterback is still definitely a possibility. Um, Just looking at the board, though, having Greg Russo here, I do wonder with this team if they would think about going that route. I think they've kind of gone with the you know, the more, I guess, hybrid edge guys the past couple of times, um, especially Tech McKinley. And then before that with Vic Beasley, he was kind of more of the, uh, you know, the long bendy athletic type as opposed to the the brute strength type of edge. So I think that'd be an interesting pick if they do go Russo here, just to see them kind of change up exactly how they're building their defense. Um, Caleb Farley's still here as well. I don't know. It's an interesting pick you factor out the quarterback. I mean, the outline's set, so I don't really see him taking a tackle here. So you're basically kind of limiting yourself to cornerback, edge, or quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think that that's true. You know, if, if you're in charge of the Falcons, do you kind of worry, though, that if you don't take your quarterback right here, maybe things in 2021 break your way and you're a playoff team and you're stuck kind of hunting for quarterbacks at the very end of rounds until Matt Ryan retires. And then, you know, they'll probably fall off a cliff and then you take one year off and then you add a guy. I don't know.
2: Yeah, no interesting discussion because especially with Thomas Dimitrov out the door at GM um, he's someone that has shown that he's, he's willing to be aggressive, right? He'll trade up in the first round. He'll go get his guys. I mean, look at the Julio pick. Um, So Maybe if he was still there, I could definitely see that happening. You know, them saying, hey, we'll wait on quarterback this year. If we need to, we can make a move and get a guy next year. So that you raise an interesting case there. Maybe they are thinking quarterback here more than we actually think.
1: Hmm. I still think Russo makes a lot of sense, especially because like, they, they still just haven't found an edge rusher. They keep yeah. trying and trying and trying, and maybe that scares them away. But I think, yeah, he, he, it's obvious that that's the biggest need on this team.
0: Yeah, let's go russo than, this time because we went mac jones last time
2: for sure no russo probably better drafting russo too than spending another 50 plus guaranteed on a, on a free agent too so
1: yeah uh pick 10 now broncos are at 15 by the way just so everybody listening knows what's coming uh number 10 is the panthers and uh they're upset to see micah parsons off the board after watching him fall that far where do you think they go Every got to be
2: defense. Uh, I think so. I mean, even though they did go all defense in last year's draft, I think that Joe Brady and Matt Rule have kind of shown that, you know, we can work with the pieces here on offense. We can kind of piece it together. I mean, shoot, they got P.J. Walker starting games and looking decent. So I definitely think that defense is where they're going to go again. Um, just try and build that side of the ball up. I mean, Caleb Fairley is the highest rated defender I'm looking at. Um, And then we're looking at maybe J.C. Horn, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. I mean, he's probably not going to go there because they have a – I can't remember his name right Uh, now. Who's the – Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's one
1: of my favorites, and he's been incredible. You know, do you think that those two could coexist? Because there's a real part of me that thinks, like, if you have uh, J.O.K. on one side and you have – the wow already forgot the chin on the other side like because they are so versatile i feel like you could plug so many different areas it'd be a fun experiment at the very least i'm not sure if it's worth spending a top 10 pick on though
2: absolutely i mean it's interesting just to think about and imagine them um especially the fact that we already know jeremy chin works right he's a good football player so you don't have to worry about him it's not like a I mean, I don't even want to say Isaiah Simmons situation because he's really turned it on of lately, too. Um, so it would, it would be really interesting, though, man. That would make you very versatile on the defensive side of the ball, and it'd probably create a lot of interesting situations with coverages, with pressures, just because you won't know who in the hell is coming if you have all these athletes on that side of the ball. I don't know. 10 seems high, though.
1: It does seem high. So, who else? I mean, I mean, Farley is staring you in the face right there. Um, Joseph Osai, JC
2: Horn. I guess you kind of consider tackle too, but I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. I would say one of the corners, and I'd probably just go Caleb Farley for this case just because he's the highest we got.
1: Yep. I like it.
0: Yeah, I think you got to go Farley there.
1: All right, Harley's right. off the board, and now we're to the Patriots at number eleven. Oh, will probably trade down. This is probably the toughest. Yeah, they'll probably trade down, unless they trade up and go get a quarterback. I I I don't know what to expect here. I mean, Jamar Chase seems like a great value. Patriots don't. Really
2: Jones matter. is still there.
1: Mac Jones, yeah. I,
2: I mean. We talked about this, I think, last time we did a mock. You're already running Cam in this offense that is kind of new age, you know, run first stuff. And you got Trey Lance sitting right there who is – I don't want to call him Cam Jr., but he's he fits the prototype, right? He does. Do you attempt to groom Trey Lance and, you know, try and continue this bully ball thing that they're trying out this year? It's
0: way too early, man. Like. <laughs> That's, true. That's one of those with the 32nd pick in the first round, maybe, or, you know, 33, 34. But right now, especially when you have legitimate quarterbacks that we believe in still sitting on the board, mm-hmm. you've got elite wide receivers, two guys that are basically guaranteed to be studs and Jamar chase and Jalen Waddle, assuming he's, you know, healthy and all that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Patriots fans might be excited just because that would be
2: something weird. Like
0: Oh my god, we made a, you know, we made a pick, but I don't know. I just it seems way too high.
2: I was going to say, would not that be a total bill check thing to end up picking this high and actually using the pick and not, you know, trading down like everyone would think, <laughs> right?
0: And doing something like crazy unorthodox that nobody
2: sees yeah. coming.
1: Yeah. yeah. JOK is tempting here too.
2: I can because... definitely see that being happening.
1: Yeah, they would find a way to put him in good situations. Justin, who do you like here? Oh,
0: man, I hate trying to guess on the Patriots. I know. JOK, I think, like you said, it just seems like a Belichick-type pick, a guy he loves defense. He loves those versatile guys. You know, he could definitely figure out what role he shines most in. I just have a heart – I don't – I don't think they believe in Cam Newton long term. If they did, I don't think they would be running him so much. They're they're almost going with, you know, with what C U did with Sefo Lufau a couple years ago, where they were just like, screw it, man, this is the only way our offense works. We're just going to run this dude twenty times a game, and yeah. you know he's built like a brick shit house, so it works out okay. But I just with Mac Jones there, I think that's who I'd have to take. Really? Interesting
2: case. I'd also throw out. You don't know what's going to happen with Stefan Gilmore's contract situation and Great point. Got some cornerbacks staring at you to the face here. Um, we already talked about Belichick. Obviously you got to think defense. However, for the sake of getting us to the Broncos pick, I'll, I'll agree with the Mac Jones.
1: Mac Jones. All right, let's do it.
0: They're going to trade down. Like I, yeah, I'd be willing to place a decent
1: amount of money on the fact that the Patriots will trade down, but absolutely probably. Um, now we've got the Lions at number 12. Um,
2: another- We're
0: pissed that Mac Jones just went.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, come on. This pick's easy, though, right? If you're picking 12th and Jamar Chase falls this far to you and you have Matt Stafford, I mean.
0: Yep. It's the Parsons' argument. He's
1: just too good to pass on at that exactly. point. Exactly, yep. Let's do
2: it. There we
1: go. Uh, 13 now, the Vikings. Wow. Take your I pick, mean, man. Uh, with Justin Jefferson and Thielen, you probably don't go Waddle. Are they? I, I think that's a sneaky place where you could see a quarterback taken. You know, if they just say like, yeah, sure, we're still paying Kirk Cousins, but we're not going to win anything, and so we might as well start grooming a guy. Um, I think that's probably less likely than them just going out and getting like
0: – I don't even I know. think like a Jace Horn out of South Carolina
2: or – Mm-hmm. yeah also uh, we've only just... had one tackle to this point too it's true oh yeah that's probably not going to play out that way yeah I mean, it's not
0: a great i mean it's not the greatest tackle class in the world no it's it's all right
2: it's certainly not as good to top as last year so that's for sure yeah i don't know what, what do, do you we... think jake um you know what let's just uh let's pick uh christian Daresaw here um Although I do think the Vikings O-line has been better this year than in most recent years. Um, the Kubiak effect. Exactly. Uh, this is a big, hulking, strong man to tackle. Uh, I mean, who couldn't use that? So I'll, we'll put Durisaw here.
1: All right. The 49ers at 14, the final pick before the Broncos. This is another tough one. I mean, you could see them going after a receiver here. Um, trying to add something to that offense, you know, ETN would be a fun pick here and finally giving them like a guy in the backfield and also somebody who could tri- contribute catching the ball maybe more than they've seen, which would add a, a, another dynamic to that offense. And that might be more tempting than upgrading a receiver offensive line. I feel like they would never shy away from upgrading there, you know, Defensive line, they, they do come build from the trenches. I again so many different directions. JC Horn is, is tempting, especially with Richard Sherman up in age when they've already been struggling at cornerback. What do you guys see here?
2: I don't think they would go receiver here, especially if they're taking Ayuk in the first round. Um and they have struggled with some injuries at that position too. I think they are better than what they actually appear to be. You know, Debo has been in and out this year, he had the foot thing earlier and then he was dealing with COVID uh, over the past few weeks. So I think this receiving court is actually better than it appears right now. Um, I can definitely see JC Horn in this situation going to them. Uh, I mean, the draft network here has interior O-line listed twice on draft needs. So maybe they're trying to tell us something with that. So maybe Wyatt Davis.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I think they go Derrisa if he falls, but I, you know, we just had him going off the board there. I like what you said with ETN. I still wonder if 14 is a little high, but we're at least in the conversation now to where it would make sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. John Lynch is a defensive guy. I could see him being really intrigued by a guy like JOK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have, they're have. they they're a weird team because the 49ers are both simultaneously very talented and very sucky. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, I, I feel like what they should do is go get themselves a new quarterback, but they're tied to Jimmy Garoppolo for a, a little bit longer. I, you kind of have to let that play out.
0: Uh, could so you I, flip Jimmy? Does he have any value at this point?
1: I mean, I I, I could see the Broncos doing something kind of dumb.
2: And I've seen quarterbacks, worst quarterbacks traded in, I guess, more – certain situations so i wouldn't be surprised if it did happen to jimmy g although it would be surprising nonetheless if he was traded from this team yeah i like jc horn here
1: me too i think that that's a very obvious need on that team yeah and the broncos might be pretty disappointed to see that happen now that they are on the clock um i'll throw some names out there uh, Jalen Waddle, Trey Lance, Devontae Smith, Travis Etienne, Rashad Bateman, Samuel Cosme, Joseph Asai, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, uh, Jalen Mayfield, Wyatt Davis, J2 Faley, uh, Eric Stokes is tempting. Um,
2: what, what do the Broncos do here? Very good question. Um, I don't think that quarterback is the fit here. Um, maybe you can consider Trask, although I – I don't know. I'd be scared taking Trask at this point. I don't really know how much of an upgrade he would be at Drew Locke at this point in time. Um, so maybe not quarterback in this situation, wide receiver. I don't see that happening, especially after last year's draft. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, do you consider taking a tackle here? Someone like Jalen Mayfield who plays right tackle. I mean, I know you may have Jawan James and you know, it's very possible he comes back and plays uh, back at that level that we signed him at a couple of years ago, but, Do they actually go just a right tackle when you're in this, I don't want to say premium draft spot, but you're middle of the first round. You're going to get a good player here.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm a firm believer that unless you're in love with somebody, just get somebody in the trenches. Like, like there'll be so many times where there's a linebacker or corner or safety or skill position player on offense that you're just like, wow, I really want this guy. And when you see that guy, you get him. Otherwise just keep building from the inside out. Just keep building depth and keep developing and growing because that is one of the toughest things to 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 get solidified. And so when I look at this board, I really don't see anything that I feel like is a great value. I mean, I I do like Jeremiah Kosu kormoa but also that's who we gave the Rocco's last time, and so it'd be kind of no fun to do it again. Um, Eric Stokes tempts me just a little bit, um, but but. Outside of that, I think that to me it's down to that Cosme, Mayfield and maybe Joseph Osai group. Um I was gonna bring up Osai, especially given
0: the uncertainty with Vaughn Miller. I don't I don't know if that's an overwhelmingly popular pick because I think most of the fans wanna see this situation get worked out with Vaughn. But I mean, you know, he's thirty plus multiple injuries at this point. <laughs> there's value there. Yeah. There's definitely value there. I could also see Denver considering trading down if this is how the board plays out. Not significantly. I don't think they try and trade out you know, like 25 or lower or anything like that. But if you could drop to, you know, 20, 21 and maybe acquire a pick at the end of the first round I think you could still probably get your tackle at about 20 or 21 and and not, you know, necessarily have to gamble on it at 15.
1: Yeah. And, and I know that Dre is super into Christian Derrissaw, but to me I, as somebody who I guess probably hasn't paid as much attention to tackles and my opinion is therefore less valid. I see this tackle class as you either get Penny Sewell or you get one of the next six or seven guys. And they're all pretty similar to me. Um, and And when the board falls like this with only two off the board, I like trading down. I like saying, okay, Let's, let's pick up some more draft capital. Let's move back six or seven spots and reevaluate and see maybe, maybe it, it is Joseph Osai there. Maybe Cosme's there. Uh, maybe Mayfield, who could be the next guy off the board, could be the Broncos pick here, may still be there. But I, I do think that this is not a worst-case scenario for the Broncos, but it's certainly not the best-case scenario for the Broncos.
2: Yeah. And then I'll add another name, too, if you trade down. Elijah Vera Tucker, man. I continue to be impressed with him every week. You also get some versatility inside and out with him. Uh, So I think that would be huge. Uh, Taking him at 15, though, as much as I do like him, I think that's a bit rich. This is very interesting. I don't really know if Joseph Osai is the fit here. Um, You know, that might be looked as kind of a reach. But I just don't see them going wide receiver, running back, or, I mean, I don't, this is tough for them. I guess Wyatt Davis would be intriguing here too, interior O-line as well. Um, but I think it comes down to what you said, Henry. If you're in this situation and, you know, gun to your head, you're forced to pick, you can't go around picking a trenches guy. So that's what I would come down to. I don't see – I mean, you have Jay Tufeli here from USC, so I don't really know if he's worth picking there for interior defensive line. But I do think Wyatt Davis is someone you have to consider. I do think Samuel Cosme, Jalen Mayfield – Uh, at right tackle is something you really need to consider here.
1: Yep. And I will say with Osai, you know, the Broncos have added a third pass rusher before, you know, we've seen it with Shane Ray when they spent a first round pick to, to give themselves a little boost there. And I almost think that the best case scenario for a Joseph Osai pick is if Von Miller comes back because we saw what Von was able to do for some of these younger pass rushers for a, a Shaq Barrett for a, um, a a Malik Reed. and a Malik Reed and sure we don't really know the breakdown of you know he was just undervalued or the position coach taught him all this stuff and and Vaughn taught him all this stuff but there is some combination of those three things that does include Vaughn Miller's impact and and his knowledge of the technical aspects of being a pass rusher and when you look at Joseph Osai at 6'3 245 I mean he is almost exactly in that Von Miller mold and it, it could be kind of an awkward situation knowing that, you know, Vaughn is likely on his way out and, and he's almost training his replacement. But when the Broncos were successful, it was because they had a really good pass rush. And as, as much as I like Shelby Harris and Jarrell Casey, Shelby Harris might not be here next year. Jarrell Casey is, is getting up there in age. He might not be what we saw from him at the beginning of this season. Um, you still have Draymond Jones, but I think, adding one more piece up there, would not hurt? So I'd be, I'd be interested in him just, just because he kind of fits that Von Miller mold.
2: I think you go aside if you take anybody at that pick. Yeah, I agree. Um, And also, I mean, he, he is someone that has shown the athleticism and I think the more refined aspects are where he needs the polish, which would really come into play when you have a Von Miller and a Bradley Chubb to kind of, uh, use as, I guess, mentors for him. Uh, that would go a long way, I believe. Um, and like what you said, Henry, I mean, without Vaughn too, it's apparent that Banjo is having to, you know, drop more pressures. Uh, he's having to blitz more guys. It's not a natural rush. You know what I mean? So if we can get back to that natural four or five man rush and just kind of play back a bit, I definitely think that help out the defense overall and just having that presence at edge again would be great.
1: Yeah. Um, well, should we lock it in? Lock well, it in. in.
2: Send in the card.
1: Oh, I clicked too hard and highlighted it. There we go. Joseph Osai locked in. Uh, that's our mock draft. And uh, I have 20 minutes before we get to or before the Buffs media call for today. So we're going to have to fly through all of our college football talk. So get ready for that uh, while well, I tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. A Strava craft coffee is a CBD infused coffee that is really changing lives. Um, If you're in the Denver area, oh, this needs to be updated. The DMVR bar is not open. So if you're in the Denver area, do not try to get your Strava craft coffee from the DMVR bar. Otherwise you'll just be stuck at a locked door and uh, feel left out. Um, But that does not mean you cannot get your Strava craft coffee. There are so many great ways to get it. You know, the easiest is to subscribe and you can save 20% off every single shipment um, of Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, you'll get your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, and you get 20% off every single time. Um, you get to pick how many weeks. Uh, you get to pick what kind of coffee, whether you want the, the whole beans or the grounds or the K-cups. Um, again, it's CBD infused. It helps with anxiety. It helps with uh, all sorts of mental ailments and physical ailments. Uh, so so check it out and see what it can do for you. Also, um, if you aren't ready to commit to a subscription, you can actually get 20% off your first order using code DNVR 20 Again, you can just save that 20% every time if you want to subscribe. But if you just want to give it a, a test first, then use that code DNVR 20 to get 20% off your first order. Okay. Okay. Um, let's go through just some of the very biggest takeaways from last week in college football. You know, it wasn't the best week of college football. I had a lot of fun because I still pac 12 football. Um, but what did you guys see?
2: Uh, first big reaction was I think Indiana is for real. Um, I haven't been taking them seriously to this point. You know, they have put up points. They did beat some very bad teams in Penn state and Michigan, but they did hold their own against Ohio state. They had an impressive comeback, nearly won that game. And Penix is, I don't want to say he's legit yet, but he is really intriguing, man. I mean, I think he outplayed Justin Fields, basically, for the most part. So that was fun to see. Um, Justin?
0: Indiana is everything that makes college football fun. They're a program that they're not that, you know, historically relevant in a sense of, you know, it's obviously a hoop state and it always will be. But, you know, they're, they're the underdogs. They built the program up. They have to, you know imagine trying to sell Indiana over Ohio state, over Michigan, over Penn state, over some of these programs. So to see, you know, Indiana have this success and to see them, you know, not just be a fun story, but a team that we actually have to take legitimately. I mean, if, if Ohio state slips up, that secondary sucks, it's, it's very possible. Indiana could, you know, who knows how high they play themselves into it's, it's going to be weird. Cause at this point they've kind of played their toughest game w- with, Ohio state, but they're, they're fun. I'm, I'm really rooting for Indiana to go far this year.
2: Yeah, Tom Allen, excellent job there.
1: Yep. I was late to buy in. The, the, the two-point conversion or whatever, hitting the ball on the pylon, um, that was the moment for me where I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But I still didn't think they'd compete with Ohio State. And I don't really know what to read into this game. Like, sure, it was a, a one-score game against a very good team. At one point they were down 35 to seven, which di- isn't great. And so are they actually on that Ohio state level or are they just close enough that when Ohio state relaxes, they're able to to gain some momentum and build off that. I'm not really sure, but they've certainly done enough to get me to keep watching what they do with the the thought in my mind that they really could be one of the top teams in college football.
2: Yeah. Just to wrap that up. Uh, something else to add this Ohio state defense fitting the theme we've seen among these top four teams, I guess, besides Notre Dame, this defense is not very good. I mean, they allowed Penix to go for 491 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Ty Freifogel had seven receptions, 218 yards and three touchdowns. That man can, He continues to put up ridiculous stat lines and was making catches against Sean Wade. And you know, all these guys in the secondary, the best that the big 10 has to offer. Uh, so I guess another takeaway is we have another not so good defense for one of the best teams in college football.
0: The playoffs going to be so weird this year. It's wide open. It really is. I mean, Clemson, Alabama, none of these teams have been consistent defensively. Oh man. i um, I love college football. I'm just glad we get to talk about
1: it. I am very glad as well that we, uh, that we can bet legally on it. Cause those are going to be some of the best nights of my life. Assuming I uh, make the right picks. Um so uh I have another note. This is probably the game that only I watched, but Oregon only beat UCLA 38-35 and a big reason why was Demetric Felton who I mentioned earlier. Um because the buffs the buffs uh contained him and Oregon could not. 34 carries, 167 yards, uh, two touchdowns like plus he's catching the ball a lot. Um in fact He's uh, lined up in the slot in every game. He's lined up wide. He's their kick return guy. He's He's gone out there on kick coverage. He's lined up in the Wildcat. He, he does a bunch of different things and uh, a, a name to watch because he is the type of like modern, versatile running back who can be valued even more at the next level, I think. And he's, he's filling Josh Kelly's shoes pretty well at UCLA so far. Um, what else you guys have? We have a few more minutes to spend on last week.
2: Uh, just to wrap that up, I think really great performance by UCLA. Played a lot of young guys. They had DTR out from COVID and as well as multiple others. So, very impressive performance. Uh, Dimitri Felton, like you said, awesome. I got to say though, man, I'm really falling in love with Travis Dye for Oregon. I know CJ Verdell is everyone's, you know, he's the guy at Oregon. He's the one that everyone goes goo goo gaga about. But Travis Dye, man, he, every game I watch of Oregon, he's making plays in the run game and the pass game. And he does it without wearing gloves on his hands. He's a natural catcher, man. I love it.
1: Imagine if somebody was able to get gloves on. But seriously, like, uh, I, it, that was another one where, like, I was driving everybody crazy looking at Penny Sewell. But then, like, also, I think Ryan asked, so, like, is C.J. Burdell, like, for real? Is, is he somebody who really should be, like, a second, third-round pick? And I was like, you know, he has been really good. But at the same time, all three of the Oregon running backs have looked really good. Now, either they have three good running backs or they're just in a really good situation. That's why they're benefiting. But then you see like right after that, Travis Die run that like seam route out of the backfield, split the safeties and just wind up butt naked for a touchdown because he can just fly. Like that is a fast guy, almost I mean, maybe some Phil Lindsay type qualities to him in a way. I'm I'm all in on these Oregon running backs.
2: Yeah. Very funny. History so does
0: not indicate Oregon running backs having a ton of success at the next level. I, I don't love that yeah. argument because it only takes one, you know, you could, yeah. it, who cares what anybody else said? How is that relevant to this particular back? Other than, you know, it's just, we've seen this story before.
1: Yeah. And yeah. that is certainly worth noting at the same time though, you know, like, look, Garrett
2: yeah, he, he Did some things. Sure, uh,
1: Jonathan Stewart yeah
0: yeah he did so, like sure, he, he, Jonathan Stewart had a really nice career him and D'Angelo Williams that was a fun little duo that they had for close to a decade
1: mm-hmm. it definitely was um
0: what are you guys excited for this week
1: let's see I mean let's go I'm lots of games. For Colorado USC personally yeah and lots no, of games I mean on that's one too. of the best
0: games on the slate and it's I'm serious. a CSU guy so for me to say that you know it's it's the truth it's are we gonna see is, is Colorado as is legit? as the people in boulder seem to think i will remind them started 2 and 0 quite a few times over the last half decade you know decade or so but i will you know i've been impressed by them now is their biggest task
1: now it's their biggest test man i'm getting all kinds of tongue tied henry yeah. take the floor it's it's going to be a really fun one it's it's the 130 abc game that that time slot has been top 5 in the rankings uh TV ratings basically all season, except for like a couple of the times that there were like AAC games on there. Um, it's 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 going to be a lot of pressure on CU to perform. And and the history is not on their side. I wrote about this, and you guys can read it, thdmr.com, but they have never beaten USC dating back to 1927, I believe. They have never beaten USC. And that's something that they've acknowledged. Uh Sam Neuer stood up in front of the team this week during a team meeting and said, guys, we've never done this. We've never beaten USC. And then he said like, yeah. And I just paused and I said, let that sink in. Never, never have we done it. And he was just like, yeah, I could see in their eyes that they're like, this is the time we are going to go do this. And as a college football, like fan first, what more can you ask for than that story? Also in that, uh, interview, he also said, um, I should probably be less airborne than I have been. And that's just a great line. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's that's encouraging to hear for the future of, or at least the tw- outlook of the 2020 Colorado buffs.
1: Um, it certainly is.
2: Just looking at the line, I've got it here at 12 and a half. I love this line for Colorado. I know they're on the road. I know, you know, USC might have the advantage in talent. They might have the better quarterback. I do think, like I mentioned earlier, USC I think has played a bit down to the, I guess, conferences competition it's kind of tough to get a hold of, even though we're only two three games in for this conference but uh colorado's looked really nice from what we've seen um it's been high scoring too for each colorado game so over under sit high at 64 don't know if you want to go on that but there vegas is projecting some scoring and with that 12 and a half point spread i definitely think it's there for colorado to at least cover um but make it interesting in the end too
1: yeah I agree. I, I I took that as soon as it came out because it's already moved a little bit. It's already moved a point. Um, running out of time. Got to touch on Alabama Auburn. Uh, Alabama favored by twenty four and a half. Is that absurd when they're playing a ranked opponent in a rivalry game?
0: Yeah. Auburn doesn't scare me that much, but it's it's a rivalry. You know, it's. I just I don't like. I think I see Alabama pulling away late, but that spread would terrify me. I just I, I'm not touching that.
2: Yeah, I think that's a stay away, but that is a massive number, man. Yep. What else you guys like this week? So it's Friday. a good weekend
0: for the West Coast. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I yeah. keep interrupting you.
2: No, you're good. But Friday we got a lot of good games. You got Iowa State at Texas, 10 a.m. on ABC, but the big one I think is Notre Dame at North Carolina at 1.30. Um, two big kind of powerhouse teams. I'm well, not where a powerhouse team, but you know, power teams. You know, they like to run the ball. Um, this is gonna be a dirty game, man. I really like Javante Williams on North Carolina. I think this is his game where he's going to introduce himself to the country and an even bigger, I guess, presence that he already has. Um, Also a big game for Sam Howell. Uh, Can these guys step up and really say, you know what, this program's arrived. We're here to compete with Notre Dame. I don't expect them to beat Notre Dame, but the spread's really close. It's plus five. Uh, You know, Notre Dame does have to go on the road. And even the money line, plus 170. I mean, it's really close. I think Vegas, Vegas is expecting a tough game here.
0: I'm going to throw one out that, you know, not a lot of draft Knicks are going to be watching, but since Henry threw out the Pac-12 primetime game, we've got another fun Mountain West game this weekend. San Jose State undefeated going to Boise State. That game's actually going to be at 2 p.m. on Fox, second week in a row that the Mountain West has been on primetime TV. We had a really fun game last week with Nevada-San Diego State on CBS. This is a big test. You know, Boise State, they've had a lot of COVID issues. Their roster's kind of starting to come together, but... They're really trying to make that, you know, late push to put themselves in the, in the conversation for a, for a better bowl game. I, I don't, you know, they're not going to go to the playoff or anything like that. There's no misconceptions there, but you know, San Jose state, they played everybody tough. They've got great athletes. They've finally started recruiting California. Well, which makes sense. Can't be that hard to get kids to go to San Jose for God's sake, but they got Nick Starkle, Arkansas transfer at quarterback. They've really been playing well. They're 10.5-point dogs against Boise State. I really like San Jose State to cover this. I think Boise State steals it late, but I think it's a great game. Check it out.
2: That's nice. I love it.
1: I'll be watching. I'll definitely be watching. Um, let's see. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think that's the
0: big ones. Texas-Iowa State, which you brought up, is going to be interesting because Iowa State, they're in the playoff ranking above BYU, so if they lose, you know, how far do they drop Texas? If they win, they'll probably somehow shoot into the top 15 because that's how this seems to always work. I'm intrigued by that game.
2: Yeah. Also some rivalry games, Friday, Oregon, Oregon state. We have the egg bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi state. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota got canceled, but um, should be a good overall weekend. I think better than last weekend at least.
0: CSU Air Force on Thanksgiving. We've now got one less NFL game because Baltimore-Pittsburgh has been pushed to Sunday. If you're looking for that, you know, 12 p.m., a little bit of noon football, triple option offense, a rivalry game, we'll see how that
1: one plays out. I'm excited for it. That's on my must-watch list. You know, because I just love triple option football. I really, so really, fun. really love it. And when they're playing in a rivalry game, what more can you ask for? It's a,
0: It's a really intriguing matchup, too, because... The strength of CSU's defense, which has been really up and down through these first couple of games, is that front seven. They have a defensive line that's played really well, but their strength is more, you know, getting after the quarterback. So now, you know, how do they play against this option offense and all the counters and everything else that go with it? I will say I feel good about it from CSU's perspective, given that the interior of their defensive line has been stout and you got to shut down the fullback dive. If you can't shut down the fullback dive, Air force is going to kill you all day long.
1: Yep. All right. I think that's going to do it for today. Um, happy
0: Thanksgiving. Yes.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. An important note also rest in peace, Diego Maradona. Um, but we have, uh, I think a couple questions and we'll just push those to next week when Dre comes back, um, and tell him that we have even more on his plate, which is the best thing to hear when you come back from vacation. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it. If you guys have questions, as always leave them on the post for today's show at ddmvr.com. We'll hit those next week and we'll see you then have a great Thanksgiving.